Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the Hospital Finance Podcast and our 100th episode. Today, I'm joined by John Bessler, who is the CEO here at Bessler. And uh, we thought we'd just take a few minutes to just kind of reflect on where we're at and where we're going with the podcast, engage with you, our audience, and take a few minutes to thank you uh, for coming back each and every week and uh, paying us the honor of, um, of being with us and, and inviting us into your space. So thank you. And John, welcome to the show. Absolutely, Mike. Thank you very much for having me on. This is a significant milestone for us, our 100th recording of the Hospital Finance Podcast. And uh, delighted to be on again. Uh, this is, uh, I think, the third time that I'll be on over the past year. And I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to speak to our audience. And, and a very special thank you to all of our audience members um, who have, like Mike had said, uh, participated uh, over the course of the last year. I hope we've brought timely and relevant content to all of our listeners. Yeah, we launched um, the Hospital Finance Podcast on February 18th, 2016, and we're already, you know, just about two years in here. It seems kind of crazy. Um, let's talk about why we decided to do this in the first place and why we, why we keep doing it. Sure, Mike. Thank you. And, you know, we understand that we need to meet our audience where they are. Um, what we try to do is provide relevant and timely content, not only to our clients, but to our listeners, to the folks that dial into our website and look for answers to their questions that they have from a hospital finance perspective. And you know, we certainly understand that not everyone will want to digest a white paper on a weekly basis or a monthly basis or maybe even on an annual basis. We understand all the pressures that our clients are, are up against and certainly to add one more thing onto their list um, isn't always the easiest thing to do. And certainly uh, from a um, via the podcast, we can create the content and boil it down into 10, 15, 20-minute clips uh, that our listeners can listen to at their leisure, on their way into work, mm -hmm. in the car. Uh, if they take the train, they can dial in through iTunes or SoundCloud or any of the other platforms that we offer. Um, and again, we can meet them where they are to get the information that we think they valuably need. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that more in a minute too, because um, uh, just for fun, I think we've pulled some interesting stats, so we'll share that with the audience. Um, you know, we've been had uh, over 60,000 downloads of the podcast already. Did you ever think it was going to be that large? You know, I'm not a betting man, but had you given me a bet, uh, you know, two years ago when we started this thing and, and said uh, that we would have 60, over 60,000 downloads and, and listeners, um, I would have given you odds on that bet. And, uh, and I would have felt very comfortable that I would have won that. Now, when I look back, uh, you know, our first pod, our first 10 podcasts were all internal information that we set out we wanted to share with our audience and you know candidly I thought well if it's just us talking um, will our audience continue to dial in uh, you know not that we don't talk about relevant things all the time but uh, you know after a while we all start to hate the sound of our own mm -hmm. voice and, and so certainly uh, by allowing our team um, you know the space to do it but then as we started to get out into the marketplace and talk to some of our clients about being uh, um, participants in the podcast and and you know other relevant industry uh, team members i really think that that at that point it started to take off and and people really understood the momentum behind this that it's not just bessler talking about this 
Um, it's our clients, it's our uh, industry, it's physicians. There's a whole series of, of, uh, of topics um, just around healthcare reform. And I think that, that as some of those topics really took hold, uh, the listenership got out there, and you know how it works with word of mouth, and and certainly within our client base, um, if the CFO is listening to it or the director of finance, and they find value in it, odds are they're going to recommend it to one of their team members to dial in as well. And so, so really, you know, to get back to your question about did I ever think we would have that level of listenership, we certainly hope to when we set out. Did I think we would get there this quickly? I would have to say no, but very appreciative that we have. Yeah, certainly we've been privileged to have people uh, really all over the country share the podcast, and and we've we've seen that and we've heard from them, and um, again, just a real real privilege to have that. Um, touching on some of the the topics we've gone over, and there have been many because really there are no lack of topics in the healthcare uh, space these days. Um, our first episode was about bundled payments, and we've covered that extensively throughout the show's history, and and I expect that we still will. What do what do you have to say on that, John? You know, absolutely. I think that bundle payments and and um, the emerging payment model, CJR, uh, everything that CMS and the Center Center for Innovation have really put out there. When you think about it, it makes logical sense. We're trying to bend the cost curve, right? I mean, we know that the uh, that healthcare can't continue to rise. Healthcare costs can't continue to rise at the level that they traditionally have. And for emerging payment models, it really makes sense. And, and to you know, boil it down to even a, a more basic term, you know, EPMs and bundled payments seem to be the next wave of DRGs. It's just another grouping of how to get funding to a hospital um, in the most efficient way and, and have that care taken, uh, taken care of in the most efficient way. And so, so logically, it makes sense. What is a struggle for us, to, and, and I think on the provider side as well, the struggle for us is to really think about what is this administration going to do with bundled payments? Yes, they might make sense, but if they never get implemented, mm-hmm. how, do we re- how do we really you know, live in that uh, you know, one foot in, one foot out kind of world? Um, so I, I think it will be you know, a continued area of emphasis, not only for us to continue to talk about um, and for our clients to continue to participate in and be aware of, uh, you know, the fact that the administration has taken away you know, a lot of the mandatory components of it, I think has uh, somewhat delayed the inevitable. Um, I, I think whether it's this administration or the next or the one beyond, we are going to continue to look at ways to deliver care in a much more efficient care setting and bundling payments in that method just makes logical sense. And certainly, um, you know, you've kind of spoken to it from the uh, the sense of, of, of a government program, which obviously Medicare being really the largest of the payers, uh, you know, really drives the train in a lot of ways. But um, as we've seen and, and talked to some guests on our podcast, it's, there's no lack of bundles in the private space either. That's right. Exactly. And, and obviously what we see the government doing, uh, we see the private insurers following suit. So when we go back and we had a podcast, a few podcasts on readmissions and that impact, and we've seen the private insurers latch on to that concept and say, well, you know, now we want a readmissions clause in our commercial contract. And providers have had to either adapt or negotiate with that as well. And very similarly with the, the EPM um, and CJR. So we see the private insurers latching onto that and saying, well, if it can save us money, if it can save the program money, uh, it's just a different program. It's the commercial program versus the, the governmental program. Um, and certainly, if it makes business sense on the insurance side, uh, obviously they have a lot more leeway 
when it comes to administering what they want to as opposed to the federal government, which, as you know, and as some of our guests have talked about, uh, there's a lot of red tape to get through to get an idea not only off the ground but then implemented um, and, and following suit with all the, the constituents. Right, and, and uh, you've touched before on the range of guests um, that we've had on, and, and they've gone from elected officials to healthcare policy experts, providers, payers, even other vendors, really a cross-section of participants in the healthcare landscape. Why don't we take a, a few minutes and just revisit some of those? Sure, sure, absolutely. And, and you know, to get back to your question earlier about did I really ever think that we would have not only the amount of listenership, but the uh, volume and and uh, and quality of listenership that, we, that and um, participation that we've had, and and I think our guests have, like you said, ranged in uh, not only level but uh, what their experience and expertise is and and positions within healthcare finance, and and to have a U.S. representative um, that we had on, on uh, from New Jersey Seventh Congressional Dic- District of Republican Leonard Lance. Uh, great insight as to what is happening from a state level and obviously his input on the federal side. Uh, we've had Mark McClellan, uh, who's a former senior fellow at the Brookings Institute in Washington, D.C., former commissioner of the FDA under Bush, um, an administrator of CMS. I mean, these are very topical and timely, and these are the folks that are creating the policies that, yes, we might get to vote on and massage, but it's their votes and their ideas that are really taking hold and and you know we like to think that we might play a small part in that as they dial into what we publish not only through the podcast but also through some of the white papers and and articles that we release Um, and they participate in it from that perspective and if we're able to share our views and our uh, participants are able to share their views as well and they're dialing in uh, you hope that it creates this sort of snowball effect of what we're talking about and what we're what we're ultimately massaging um, into federal policy that that might that not only might but will impact all of us at some point in our lives. And we've been uh, honored to have uh, providers on as well, and, and some of them were lucky enough to call customers. Absolutely, and that's a that's an important part of what I really view as our podcast is really the community of participants that we have. It's not just a Bessler idea. It's not just an outside uh, counsel or outside advisor. It's our it's our customers that are participating, not only dialing in, but actively participating and sharing their view of the world. Because there's no real better uh, outlet for a lot, for some people to talk about the issues that impact them. And some of these things might be state specific. Some of them might be uh, hospital specific or system specific. However, when I look at the healthcare community. These issues are being batted around across the country, whether it's the S10, whether it's CJR, whether it's identifying areas for opportunity with patient access and collections like Barbara Tapscott from Geisinger had, had dialed in and, and spoken about, um, or areas to look out for uh, for financial health professionals in general. Um, these are all issues that not only our clients are, are dealing with and then want to come on the program and talk about, but if it gives not only them a voice, but the listener on the other end to feel that this isn't just my hospital's issue, that other hospitals and very reputable hospitals across the country are dealing with and, and grappling with. I, I think there's a lot of, there's not only a lot of strength in numbers, but there's, um, you know, a lot of community that, that we can talk about these issues, raise them to the level of they are concerns, and then hopefully come up with solutions and ideas that we can then take back and incubate and talk about and really get the word out of 
these are issues that we need to address, and this is how we can make the healthcare world more efficient, safer, um, uh, you know, a, a better outcome for not only the the patients but the entire community. John, I pulled a, a few uh, stats I thought might be fun to share. Um, first is uh, the top states for our listenership, and I I wonder if you think there's any any surprises there. But uh, let's go down a couple of them in order. Top state, California. Interestingly enough, as a New Jersey-based firm, I would have thought that we would have more listenership here in the Northeast. Uh, Many of our clients are in that Northeast uh, corridor, certainly. Uh, Population-wise, absolutely in California, that that would make a lot of sense um, as as a single state. Um, But I am a little bit surprised that that some of our our listeners on the West Coast are, are dialing in more consistently. Yeah, and if you go down the list, you have New York, which is obviously northeast in our backyard, Texas, Illinois, big states, New Jersey comes after them. So right. you know, uh, our, our New Jersey fan base needs to needs to pick up the ball. And <laughs> <laughs> well, there's only so many of us. We're, right, we're population we're, dense, we're, we're dense, but not necessarily uh, population volume. Right. It's okay. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> um, Florida, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and, and Massachusetts sort of round out the top ten. So, yeah. uh, all, all interesting states. A uh, lot going on in each of them. Well, very. That's absolutely right. So when we look at, we talked about some of the state-specific issues. Uh, when I look at California and not only the the state budget crises that that they tend to face from an ongoing perspective, um, but they've had a significant um, issue with the S10, for example. And so I wouldn't be surprised that if a lot of listeners from California specifically dialed into that, we've been very active uh, with some representatives from California talking about the impact of implementing the, the Medicare cost report schedule S10 and what financial uh, detriment that would have for the state of California. So I don't know if, if that particularly correlates within the the stats, but as we talk about some of these state-specific issues, you know, absolutely. Uh, When we look at Florida, you mentioned Florida and Virginia, you know, those are two states that um, did not expand Medicaid under the ACA. So understanding that they would have some very state-specific issues from a Medicaid perspective, uh, as well as a DISH standpoint, um, and just other funding issues, right? So if you look at those federal DISH dollars um, that did not make their way through Medicaid expansion to those two states, Certainly not surprised that that those states in particular would want to dial into a program like this and learn about ways that, aside from what happens from a legislative standpoint that they might not have control over, what are some of the interesting things that they can do and learn from from our membership on creative ways to help bolster their finances? Yeah, one of the things that uh, it's always interesting to look at and, and find out is how uh, how your listeners engage, you know, with a show like this, you can you can listen to it right on your desktop. You can listen to it on your phone or your iPad. And um, you know, for us, uh, really, it's it's those that we would call um, iOS devices, so iPhones, iPads, um, folks coming in from iTunes, and, and they're not in the office, right? They're they're out probably uh, you know, at the gym or, or, or relaxing or, mm-hmm. or shopping or doing some other things, right. um, you know, out and away from their their daily routine. Right. Well, again, to get back to that, one of our goals was to meet our clients and meet our listeners where they are and participants. And understanding that when you dial into the office every day, your task list might be somewhat left over from yesterday and last week and is only going to accumulate over the next eight, nine, ten hours, however long you might spend behind your desk that we needed an opportunity to not only have our listeners be able to participate at their desktop 
if, for example, they decided to um, eat lunch and, and dial in if they had a you know an extra ten or fifteen minutes that day, or again on their commute, um, or you know at the gym. I think I think the interesting thing about our community is that I consistently hear that people want to make a difference and people want to be productive and they want to affect change in some way. And so you know the workday doesn't just last nine to five anymore. And I, and I think specifically with this community that we need to look and work, and I'll put it in quotes, outside of those traditional you know, office time hours. And the fact that you know, technology is there to allow our members to do that, that's wonderful. If someone wants to, you know, again, dial in uh, in their car as they're driving into work and, and listen to you know, for two or three podcasts, if they have a half hour commute or so, well, that's a great opportunity for them to kick off their day and Hopefully, we give them some things to not only think about, um, but maybe potentially implement and have some more productive conversations when they get into the office because they've already you know, queued up their day and their their work list might their task list might be as it is. But if we can help expedite and and jumpstart their day, and again uh, think of creative things or, or give them some new things to talk about um, and be even more productive, I think that's a great uh, a great goal for us and a great attribute for our listeners. Well, John, it's been an honor to host 100 uh, Hospital Finance Podcast episodes. I'm certainly looking forward to the next 100, and uh, I hope our audience is as well. Absolutely, Mike, and I really appreciate uh, what you have certainly done for, for the Hospital Finance Podcast. I know that uh, to host 100 episodes, you know, we, when I look down through the stats, I think we've had uh, some participants that have, uh, that have uh, spoken three, four, five times. But you've been here for all 100 of them, so congratulations. I'm glad to hear that your, your voice certainly hasn't tired, and I look forward to not only the next 100, but the next 100 beyond that as well. Thanks, John. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.